As always, it's so good to be with you. How are we doing, St. Albert family? Isn't it great to have a family, to belong to a family? I think that's neat. And I want a, a shout out today. I, there's so many grandparents with grandchildren here today. I, I think that's awesome. I really, 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 really am impressed and honored that you do such a thing. Well, today's a wonderful day of celebration in our church. It's called Holy Trinity Sunday. And the Holy Trinity is by far, the, the, the truth about the Holy Trinity is one of the greatest truths actually about who God is. It tells us all kinds of things about who God is. Then how often do we make this sign, even in the Mass today, in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit? All the time, don't we? That's right. See, the Holy Trinity is deeply embedded within us. It is just a part of us. That's how close it is. One God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, here's something interesting you might find about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Trinity is unique only to Christianity. Did you know that? Uh, now, we do have two major religions that see God as Father, but it's only Christianity that sees God as Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what it does is it makes things complete. It makes things whole. Now, we could spend eternity talking about the three persons of the Trinity as we as we heard so much about them in the gospel and in the other readings today. But I want us to go to another level. I want us to go to a deeper level of the Holy Trinity. And I want us to do that because the implications for our lives in the world today, they are profound, profound implications. And you'll see why in a moment. So let's begin or start by looking at what the Holy Trinity teaches us about the nature of God. Who God, in other words, who God is. What's God like? How, how does God work? I find it extremely interesting. Uh, and every time that I look at a picture of the Holy Trinity, I find there's a sense of calm. There's a sense of peace that comes over me. And since I've been studying the Holy Trinity a lot in conjunction with St. Francis de Sales' love of God in the last two years, I've got pictures of the Holy Trinity everywhere. I got them in my office, I got them at home, got them in my car, you name it, I got them. But every time I look at them, I feel this sense of peace. I feel this sense of, uh, I know, order, harmony, and unity. Three in one. And, they, and, and it's a beautiful relationship that they have. Now, let me say this. That's not by happenstance. That just didn't happen by chance. No, it's very, uh, it's very real. It's very intentional because that's who God is. This is teaching us something about the nature of God. Uh, these great truths of order, harmony, and unity are repeated over and over again in the Holy Scriptures and particularly in the gospel, because in the gospel we have the second person of the Trinity speaking a lot, don't we? Jesus, right? And if you, if you, if you look at the passages, and we, and we do the same thing over the course of the year here at, at church in the readings, is we read so many things about the Holy Trinity, how it works, 
the relationships that exist between Father, Son, Holy Spirit, it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And I would think that if anybody had a good grip on what the Holy Trinity is like, it'd be somebody on the inside, meaning Jesus. Don't you think? Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're outside looking in, and he's inside looking out kind of thing. So he had much to teach us, but it's a wonderful thing. But the three key points that uh, are really critical when we think about the Trinity, when we look at pictures of the Trinity, are order, harmony, and unity. Now, when I think of those three words combined together, only one image comes to mind, and that's the image of an orchestra. And I'm not talking about a little orchestra. I'm talking about first-class orchestra. That's what I think of when I think of those putting those three things together. Because here's how an orchestra works. An orchestra can uh, make you soar into heaven, or it can just sort of like, i got to get out of here. This sound is terrible. And thank God we've got one of those uh, choirs that will make you soar. And, uh, you know, not soar, but, uh, but make you soar. And that's a, that's, that's a wonderful thing. But let's go back to our, uh, our orchestra illustration. If you look at an orchestra, it has order to it. You got a violin section, you got a trumpet section, you know, you got a trombone section, you got all these different sections, so you have order to it. And you have so many pieces within each order so that when it plays, it sounds harmonious, right? See, that's the order part of it. And then what happens is the orchestra plays off of the same sheet. Uh, here's a, I mean, here's a simple way for you to think about it. If I were to give everyone in here a different piece of music to sing today, what would it sound like when they started singing? Chaos, wouldn't it? But when they all have the same sheet of music, what does it sound like? Heaven. Heaven, doesn't it? See, that's the importance of harmony, singing together in harmony. And then there's unity. Unity. It's each person at the top level. Each person at their finest, you might call it their finesse, who's singing, you know, and no one's trying to stand out, no one's, you know, no one's off key, it's just beautiful. When you put order, harmony, and unity together, you got heaven, that's what you have. And you've been to a, you've been to a, seen it, heard it, listened to an orchestra before, and it's like, woo, it's taking me up, this is awesome, this is great. Well, that's what the Holy Trinity does. See, God, this is important. God is the God of order, harmony, and unity. That's why, and this is really important, that's why you'll never hear of the Holy Trinity being in a state of panic or anxiety. You look in the scriptures, you find one example where God is tore up. It's not in there. It doesn't exist. Why? Well, I guess you could say God has it all together, doesn't he? He's complete. He's whole without all the circumstantial stuff that's going on around us. Now, you might think, well, that's, that's nice. You know, it's sort of one of those pious platitudes to think about when you don't have anything else to do. But I live in the trenches in the 21st century. You know, I live in the mud. I'm up to my eyeballs in mud. Uh, what's that got to do with me? Would you be surprised if I said it has everything? 
It has everything to do with you. It does. So let's go a little deeper and, and ask why it has everything to do with your life today. Extremely important point. God only creates order, harmony, and unity. Why? Because it's who he is. It's his nature. He can't, he can't do anything else. There is nowhere in the scripture, nowhere, here's another nowhere, where you will find that God creates disorder, disharmony, or disunity. Why? Well, it's not in his nature. For him to do that would be to go against who he is. Um, you know, and, and that's why we, and I think one of the, the most beautiful examples of this is in creation. The creation story definitely tops that one. You know, in the beginning, God creates order, doesn't he? Starting with the universe, and he ends up with man and woman. And what a beautiful thing it is. And, you know, it starts out, everything's without shape, without form, without, it's void. And then what does God do? He makes order, doesn't he? He makes, he brings it in. He, he, he shapes it up. He sets the stars and the moon and the sun. Then he puts the, the water, he separates the water and, and the earth. And then he puts the beast and, and, you know, all the things, see, it's got order. And the last thing is man and woman. That's what he creates, isn't it? Now, you know, disorder would be God saying, well, I want to create man and woman first. And then it's like, well, there's no place to put them, you know. It doesn't work, see. God has that figured out. And then we see as creation begins to build, there's a sense of harmony. You ever feel a sense of connection, connectivity with nature? Well, of course you do, particularly when you're, when you're out on the lake or you're on a mountaintop or something, you feel connected. Well, of course, that's because you are. You know, that's part of who, that's part of who is, God is. And then through that, you find unity. And I think here's what's interesting about that. After, after six days of creation, God says he takes a break on the seventh day. And what does he do? He reflects. He looks about what he's done. What does he say he's done? It's bad. Does he say it's very bad? God looks at his creation and says it's very bad. No. What does he say? Very good, isn't it? It's very good. That's right. He's pleased with it because it's a reflection of him. That's who God is. God builds into creation what's in himself because it's impossible for him to do anything else. Now, here's the deeply profound implication for you, if you think about that. God created you to have order, harmony, and unity in your life at the highest of levels. I think that's important. See, you and I particularly, uh, man and woman is the apex of creation. I mean, it's the high point. God hit the high point when he hit that. It's what does it say? It says we're made in his image and we're made in his likeness. Well, if you think about that, what does that mean? That means that God doesn't make mistakes. You're not a mistake. Sometimes people say, well, God has rejects. Quality control is 24-7 with God. God doesn't have any rejects, you know. You're not a mistake. 
You're not a reject. Instead, God sees you as being very good. How do I know that he sees that? How do I know that God cares? Right there is how I know. Every time I look at it, that's the work of Jesus on the cross. See, what did we hear in John 3 today? For God so loved the world, not to condemn the world, he said, but because he loved the world, he sent his son into the world in order that he might have, we might have eternal life. Isn't that beautiful? So you're not a mistake. You're not a failure. You're not a reject. Now, that's true. We make decisions that are not right sometimes. But you know what? That's part of who we are. We have the ability to choose and to decide. Because if you didn't, you couldn't choose to love. So we do. We have that ability. See, God is high on you. God's very optimistic when it comes to you. Well, you may be sitting there thinking, well, I'm not convinced of that. Because you don't know me. <clears throat> you don't know what my life's like this morning. I'm in a mess. <laughs> my life is a mess this morning. Uh, or at, at times, my life is in a state of disorder, disharmony, disunity. Or if that's not enough, just look at all the chaos. Would you agree there's chaos in the world today? Yeah, tons of it, isn't it? What about that? Well, let me answer that. Remember this. Like you, I'm a human being. I'm, a, I'm cut out of the same mold that you're cut out of. And I do know what it's like to be you. And actually, you know what it's like to be me. See, what, I, what happens is I, or me, at times I'll take this wonderful gift of being made in the image and likeness of God and I'll make poor decisions with it. Decisions that affect myself and decisions that affect others as well. Um, yeah, there's times that I do that. There's times that I will take that ability to decide and I decide for my own selfish desires. Now, when you do that, it creates chaos. <laughs> That's why the world's in the chaos it is today. That's exactly why. It's not God, it's us. We can make some poor decisions. But God says, I'm going to make a way in order to clear you of that so that you can be restored to who you've always been. Yeah, there's times that I seek things for my own selfish desire. But here's something greater that I know, and it is this. God, as Father who calls me to be one of his children through the redemptive power of Jesus, his Son, who places the Holy Spirit within us, has given us everything that we need in order to be restored to a life of harmony, unity, and order. That's what we've been doing for the last 50 days, isn't it? We've been celebrating, what's Easter? It's all about the new life. It's about all the things that God has given us in order that we can be who God intended for us to be. It's beautiful. I mean, he's, he's equipped us in every good way. And when we live, when, the more we get connected to our source, see what we try, here's what we try to do. We, 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 uh, we try to fit all these things into our life and we call them gods, little gods, you know, and they don't work. But when we connect ourselves to the source, guess what? We experience beauty 
beyond imagination. We experience the deep truths about the reality of life. We experience happiness that is second to none, and we experience love that is conditional. Do you believe it? Do you? It's real. It's as real as real gets. Never, ever forget this. God has given you everything you need to make this seemingly impossible life possible. Isn't that what Jesus said? Isn't that what the angel said? With God, nothing's impossible. See, God wants to restore you to the way he created you. That makes him happy. Now, here's what you have to do. Here's the, here's the key. This is where it comes to you, and it sits at your door. What you must do is you must pursue God with all your heart. Now, here's what happens today. We have all these loves in our heart. All these, just a stack of them. If you throw God on a stack as just one more, you'll never experience what God intended for you to experience. But you pull God out, you put him down, you say he is the one, you will experience it. I guarantee it. I guarantee it a million percent. I guarantee it. I promise it. See, what you have to do is what Jesus said. What did he say? He said, uh, excuse me, all you got to do is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. You feel that sense of singular singularity there, that sense of focus? Uh, we, we Christians call that devotion. We're devoted singularly to God. I like how St. Teresa of Avila put it, and if you go to the... Uh, if you go to the Abbey at Gethsemane just before you go in the church there, there's a big granite sign. I bet some of you have seen it. I know you've seen it. What does it say? Two words. God alone. Did you hear that? God alone. That's pulling God out, all your desires, and making him number one, seeking him, and pursuing. And when we do that, when we make God alone in our life, we experience what we were made for. Order, unity, and harmony. God bless you.